have to prepare. We have to prepare to be able to stand on truth. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, today as we look into our scripture. Uh, But whenever I talk about preparation and getting prepared for things, uh, first service, there's a bunch of kids here, and I looked at them, and they're all going to youth camp. And I'm sure that there were a lot of mothers, maybe some of you have kids that are on that trip as well, and you're just hoping that your kid prepared well for camp, that he brought the right clothes for camp. I know my mother always worried about me that I brought enough clothes for camp. Uh, and so typically for, for me, and I think sometimes for, uh, for most guys, maybe the preparation part of things in life is we might not be as good at that as our female counterparts. Um, this reminded me of a story, it's a historical story, it was back in the 1850s, uh, there was an expedition called the Franklin Expedition, and it was a group of uh, British Navy who were traveling to the Arctic, they are going to do exploration there, and so they had several ships that were going there, and I thought it was really interesting, it, it gave a log of what they brought with them on the trip. Now, on the trip, they were expecting it to be about a two- to three-year voyage. Now, that is a long time. And so on the voyage, to make sure that they were taken care of, what they did is they brought, they brought 12 to 13 days of extra coal. And so, that, of course, you know, that, is, that was their power source back then. And so I thought, well, that doesn't seem like a whole lot. Uh, so that, that's, that's what they brought. But the reason why they only brought 12 to 13 days of extra coal is because of the other stuff that they brought. It just filled up the boat too much. So, y'all, this and it, obviously this was a group of guys that were packing. Uh, they packed a 1,200 volume library in each one of the ships. Uh, they brought a hand organ that played 50 tunes. Uh, so this was like you know I guess like for you know my this has been like the iPod. Uh, so they brought a hand organ playing 50 tunes. They brought plates and settings for the officers and men. They made sure they had plenty of wine goblets and plenty of silverware. Uh, they also did not bring any extra special clothing for the Arctic, which I think is kind of interesting. I'm not like a scientist or anything, but I think that the weather in the Arctic is a little bit harsher then in, let's say, England. And so what they brought is they just brought an extra pair of Her Majesty's Royal Navy outfits. So as you can imagine, this expedition didn't really work out too well. And lo and behold, guess what they ran out of first? A coal. Uh, they brought 12 to 13 days worth of coal, but they did not run out of um, glasses and silverware. So I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I think a lot of times we do the same thing. Uh, we, we look at a big voyage or a journey that we're on, and for all of us, that big journey we're on is we are on the journey of life. We are involved in life, but a lot of times what we do to prepare for life is we make decisions based off of what we feel instead of what is true. And so therefore, whenever it is time for the rubber to hit the road, man, a lot of us, we find ourselves in trouble. And so today in our scripture, what I want us to do is just simply to look and see how can we prepare well in this life so that we can be basing our decisions in life, not off of how we feel, but based off what is true. And so the question is, what is true? 
You know, what is truth? And we talked about that a little bit last week. But the truth that we base everything off of as Christians is this book right here. But we say that this book, it is God's Word. Here's what Jesus had to say about Scripture. He said in John 14, 15, he said, If you love me, in other words, if you love God, what you're going to do is you're going to keep his commandments, which come from this Word, from the Scripture. Now, now, why is that important for us? Because here's what we believe. We believe that Scripture is truth. And then when a person follows it and it gets inside of their life, then it changes their heart. And it makes them live differently. So if we're going to do that, though, we have to prepare to do it. So that's why we're looking today in Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 17. Just a little background information. Uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul is the guy who wrote this book. And he really cared a lot about the Ephesian Christians because he's a guy that went there. It's in in modern-day Turkey where Ephesus was located. And he went there, he started some churches, and he began to teach them truth, began to teach them what God's Word had to say. And he says, listen, I don't just want you to know truth. I want you to live it. Because, you know, knowledge without action doesn't bring about any kind of change. Now, now, now why teach from God's Word? Well, because of what it is. It's God's Word, and it's true. Jesus said about it in John 17, 17, God, your Word is truth. And so I want us to be prepared to stand on. So here's the question. Well, how do we do that? And, and Paul points it out today. He gives us some preparations to take in order for us to stand on truth. And the very first thing he shares with us is if we're going to be prepared you have to know the enemy. We have to understand there is an enemy in the world that stands against truth and that will stand against you. Uh, So look with me in verse number 10. That's what Paul wrote. He said, Finally be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Now, just in general, in life, there are those who are for you, and there are those who are against you. That is true in every area. It's it's true, and it's true in sports. You know, whenever you're a a kid and you're going to play like a pickup game of basketball, you get your buddies up against the wall, pick two captains, and they'll start picking teams. Okay, now if you do that, you know, we didn't have uniforms or anything. Well, how do you tell who's on your team and who's not? Well, the, we, we were real simple. A bunch of guys real simple. You're going to be shirts, and then what's the other group going to be? They're going to be skins. And we do that so that we can identify who's on our team and who's not. Well, in Scripture, the same thing's true spiritually. You need to know who's on your team and who's not? So the big question for me is, okay, so if I follow Jesus, who's on my team? Well, God's on my team. Did you know that? Did you know God is with you? That God is on your side? He desires for you to have a full and a meaningful life. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's on your team. Jeremiah 29, 11, when God was speaking to his people, he said, I know the plans I have for you, and those plans 
are to prosper you and not harm you. Uh, Jesus told us in John 3.16 that he loves people. So that's really good news. You want to know who's on your team? God is on your team. But if God is for you, then there's a converse to that. And, and that means that there is somebody who is against you. Okay, now did you know that? that did you know there was, there's somebody against you? And, and there's some of you might be thinking, yeah, it's my wife. Now, I'm not talking about that. I mean, if, if you're talking about who is for you, but who's against you, who is against you is the devil. You know, we, we believe that there is darkness in this world, that there is a force of evil in this world. And you might say, well, why is, why is the evil one, the devil, considered to be against us? Well, Jesus taught that. In John 8, Jesus was speaking of the devil, and he said, the devil, he is a murderer from the beginning. He said, he is not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him, and when he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So here's what the devil's job is, what he wants to do. He wants to deceive you so he can destroy you. He wants to keep you away from the truth of God's word so that you won't find life, but instead that you will be deceived and be led into a life of misery and a life of death. So, so what does he do? Well, he's a liar, and so he tells lies to us. And I think one of the biggest lies he tells us is make your decisions in life based off of what you feel, not off truth. Now, now, now what's, what's, what's wrong with feelings? Well, I'd say one thing, feelings, I, I believe feelings, I believe emotion is something that God gives us. But whenever you live according to feelings, devoid of truth, you're going to make real bad choices. Let me tell you something, and I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I, I, I like I like I, I like my life to be dictated by my feelings. I mean, I like to do stuff that makes me feel good. I do not choose by nature to do things that don't make me feel good. I mean, do y'all? I mean, some of you are like. I mean, if if you do, it's like you know, it's your diet or it's your exercising. But you're like, you know, I I like to choose stuff that makes me feel good. So, so what's, what's, what's wrong with that? Well, well, look at the decisions we see being made all the time, what culture teaches us. Culture teaches you, go with your feelings over everything else. And here's what I've discovered. Here's what it leads to. It leads to, it leads to broken trust. It leads to, it leads to broken marriages. It leads to heartache. It, le- it leads to self-centeredness. When, I, when I'm making decisions based off of my feelings, then I'm putting myself above everybody else. Now, what the devil does is the devil will give us a kernel of truth, but he doesn't tell us the whole truth. And so that's why Paul said, you need to know the tactics of the devil. And the word tactics, it carries with it the idea of its craftiness, cunning, and deception. That, that term, tactic, was used uh, concerning an animal that, that would sneak up on its prey and then would pounce on its prey without the prey knowing about it, and then it would destroy it. Now, if you have a cat, you've seen that before. Now, we have a cat, and I, I'm just always mesmerized by the cat. I mean, it's just really stealthy, and he'll sneak around, and I'll see that cat, and it, we have a lot of squirrels in our yard. And I'll see that cat, and he'll sneak up on a squirrel, and I'll just sit there and watch it, 
and then out of just nowhere, I mean, he will jump on that squirrel unexpectedly, and then that squirrel will go to be with the Lord. And so it's just really interesting. We, that, that is what the devil does. He will sneak up on you unaware, and you are living by feeling, by what you think makes you feel good, and you make decisions based on that. And then before you know it, you were strung up and caught up in sin. So that's why Paul says in verse 11, be aware of the, the tactics of the devil. And he says, and you want to stand against them. Now that word stand against, it's a military term. It means to hold your position under fire. It is the picture of an army that has an advancing army coming towards them. And instead of running away, you are to hold firm because you are trusting that your commander knows what he's doing. Y'all, our commander is the one who's for us. And we are believing that his truth leads to victory. Now, now my tendency is not to trust my commander. My tendency is it is to go with my feelings. If I see somebody coming against me, I'm like, I, you know, I panic mode. You know, I'm, I'm like, i got to get out of here. These people are trying to kill me. But the Lord says, stand firm. And if I don't stand firm, then I, then I miss out on victory. You know, whenever uh, Wellington, Duke, the Duke of Wellington, fought Napoleon, and y- y'all remember wh- where he fought him, the famous battle? Waterloo. That's right. So one person actually paid attention in history. So fought at Waterloo. Now, the, the, really, the history of England was riding on this battle. And so Napoleon, of course, was the, the, the great general that was sweeping across Europe, had the Battle of Waterloo, lives in Belgium, and as they, were, uh, as they were fighting, the people in England were waiting for a message to find out how the battle had gone. So they sent these messages, almost like a Morse code, uh, across the ocean, or across the, the sea, the English Channel, to people who were waiting to see what happened. It's a really heavy fog, and the message came in. As they were looking, it said, it said Wellington defeated. And so the people were, they were in a panic, and they, they went back, and they, and they began to, they shared what happened. Again, news got back to London, the stock markets began to tank, but the fog began to lift later in the day, and the full message came out, and it said, Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. Now, you think those last words made a difference? I mean, it's significant. But, you know, that, that is what the devil will do with us. He tries to send this fog into our lives so that we don't get the full message from God, which is, I have come that you might have life. He tries to fill us with lies so that we miss out on the truth of who God is. So how do I I live in truth? Well, you look at God's Word, and, and you look at it, and you read it, and you say, I will live according to His Word. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is very simple. It tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And the Bible says He will make your paths straight. And we do this by living under biblical teaching. That's why at Village Church, y'all, I can't make a whole lot of promises, but I can make some of these as promises. When you come into church here, we are going to teach what the Scripture says. Because it's truth. Uh, as, our, as our young people are at camp this week, and whenever our middle school goes to camp in the next few weeks, let me tell you what's going to be taught. It's going to be truth. As our young people, our children are next door right now, you can know that the teachers over there, 
you know what they're teaching them? They are teaching, they're not teaching them about feelings. They're teaching them what God's word says because it is truth. So to help make sure that we stand on truth, we have to be prepared. And one of the things we have to know is we have to know who the enemy is. But how else can we be prepared? Well, if you know the enemy, then you also need to know this. You need to know who the source of your power is. Verse number 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. I'm almost every, you know, if you look, it, it can, it's easy to get depressed about you know, some stuff that you read, especially about Christianity in America. There's some stuff that's been coming out uh, really over the last few years. And it says in America today that, that the, there's a decline that's going on in Christianity, a decline in is this church membership, a decline in church attendance, a decline in baptisms, you know, all these different things. And so what I see is with the, you know, in like the religious circles and with guys, you know, who are pastors, what, what they're doing is they are, they are studying the metrics of, of everything. And so, you know, why are we seeing a, a downturn in, in faith and matters in matters of faith, and I'm I'm all for that. I, mean, I think it's you know, I think it's wise to take a look at information and try to figure out what's going on. And I, so I don't I don't have a problem with that. But I think where it's very easy for us to get into trouble is whenever we see a downturn and we say, "Well, I want people to like us more," and so maybe there's some stuff here that a lot of people don't agree with. So why don't we hide some of that stuff so that maybe we can, maybe we can win back some other people. Now, I, I don't have a problem with us wanting to, to, to be you know, attractive to others, that our faith is just like it's a cool thing. And I think we kind of get this idea from Acts 2, 46 and 47 of the early Christians. It says, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. They praised God, and here's the key, and they had favor with all the people. It says, and every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Now, you're not going to get any argument from me. Whenever I, I believe this, I believe that as Christians, when we go out to the community, when you eat at a restaurant, when you're with a bunch of people, maybe at a football game, people all look at you and go, that guy, he is a, he is a, a, a breath of fresh air. The way he lives his life is different. But we are being crazy if we think everybody's going to like us. Now, I'm confused because I think everybody should like me. But, y'all, I've, I've been around long enough to understand you, not everybody's going to like me. Not everybody's going to like you either. And so the question is, well, what are we going to do? Now, a lot of times what we try to do is we, we try to cover up the truth of God's word to win others to our side. Y'all, God has not, here's what's interesting. Did you know God has not called us to be attractive He's not called us to be popular. Now, he hasn't called us to be jerks. He's not called us to be popular. He has called you and me to be obedient. To be obedient to what his word says. Why? If you look back at verse 12, because we're in a battle. It says, for our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavens. Now, if you follow Jesus, understand there is darkness that is against you. And the devil wants to keep people in the dark concerning God's truth because his aim is destruction. So we need to be aware of the schemes of the devil, but then we need to understand that we have power over the tactics of darkness. 
Where's that power come from? Look at verse 10. Our power is in the Lord. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If, if, you are, if you're going to be a person who stands on the truth and you say, this is, what, this is what God says, and so I will stand with it, if you believe that all life is precious, you believe in the lives of babies that have not been born yet, if you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman, if you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, the world will stand against you. That is a promise. And we are seeing that more and more every day. But you have the King of Kings who stands behind you. And the King of Kings will be victorious. When we step aside, he will step in. So, so how can we be, be prepared to stand on the truth? Know the enemy. Know the source of your power. And here's the last thing I want you to see. Know what's available to you. If you follow Jesus, what's available to me to help me do this? Okay, now let's look. Verse number 13. It says, This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and it will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Now, Paul's making a point here. He's using a military analogy here. I'm not a military guy, but I, I, this is not hard for me to see. He's saying, all right, you're in a war. And if you're in a war, we're in a war against darkness, it's really good to make sure that you have the military equipment available to you so that you'll be able to protect yourself and also so that you'll be able to do battle against the enemy. Now, a lot of times I know in life, it seems like I show up at a gunfight with a knife. And I think as Christians, that's exactly what we do a lot of the time. And so Paul says, be prepared. Know what's available to you. You live in a dark world, but God has given you armor and weaponry in order to be able to stand firm in this life. Now remember, John 8, our enemy, the Bible says is the devil, and what is the devil, according to John 8? Anybody remember? He's a liar. Okay, so how do you combat lies? With truth. So Paul says, a part of the armor that God's given you, he says, put on a belt of truth. Okay, so here's a real simple question. What does a belt, what is the purpose of a belt other than style? What is the purpose of a belt? That was a joke, by the way. What is it? Hold your pants up. Okay, hold, did you have, for a Roman soldier, you have to remember this is when Paul lived, they would wear belts, and their belt and their uniform was what really held their armor together. And on that belt, it was where the sword was sheathed. Now, okay, so what, what, is the, what is the truth, the belt of truth? What is the truth? Well, Jesus is the truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, guys, if we're going to fight off the lies of Satan, we have to know the truth. So have on a belt of truth. He says, and you put on a breastplate of righteousness. Now, for the Roman soldier again, this is like a coat of mail that he would wear over his torso. 
And he would wear that coat of mail for protection of really vital organs. You know, between here and here, there's some really important stuff in your body, right? I mean, your heart's there. If you have a sword or a spear going through your heart, you're done. It's not going to work. And so you want to have protection over those things. Did you know that that is who Jesus is for you? When you give yourself to him, we saw you give your heart to Jesus, it belongs to him forever. And there's nothing that can kill it. There's nothing that can separate you from Jesus because he's given you freedom. So you want to have on the breastplate of righteousness. You want to have a shield of faith. And Roman soldiers carried shields. What, what do you think the shields were for? To deflect arrows. To deflect you know, spears that were coming at you. And so that's what the shield of faith does. Satan tells us lies and say, well, I have faith in God's word. It is true, and we deflect all of those things. But in a shield, here's something that I think is interesting. They had these, like, these little uh, uh, sort of like ridges or, so that you could interlock your shield with other soldiers. And so if you like to watch like uh, The Last Kingdom or anything like that, if you've ever seen that show on Netflix, uh, they, they make these things called shield walls. And so they get together and they're able to move forward and protect themselves against the enemy. You know, you know what this is telling us? When Paul says, have a shield, he's, as a Christian, y'all, we don't live this life together. I mean, we don't live this life alone. We live this life together. We need each other as believers so that we can come together and stand as one against the evil forces that come against us. And then he talks about wearing a helmet of salvation. Because we soldiers wore helmets because they had to protect their head. They had to protect. I mean, if you hit somebody in the head, then well, you're going to totally incapacitate a soldier. Well, Satan wants to control your head, not because of your head, because what's in it, the mind. If he controls your mind, he has control of all of you. And so Jesus, that's why we are told by Paul, take every thought captive to Christ. When God controls your mind, you're going to stay away from evil. You're going to stay away from sin. Romans 12, 2, Paul wrote, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Helmet of salvation. And then the last piece of equipment that I'll mention, he talks about the sword of the Spirit. He carried the sword. Now, Paul said at the very end, verse 17, the sword of the Spirit, which is what? It is God's Word. Now, for a Roman soldier, sword was important. It was his big weapon. It was a short dagger, and he would use it for in, you know, in really close-range fighting. And his goal was for that dagger to pierce the heart of his enemy. That's what God's Word is for us. That whenever the world tells us to live by feeling, we can use this as a sword to pierce the heart of the enemy and say, here is what truth says. You know, we're told in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. And so the Bible serves as a tool to cut out, to hack out those things in our own lives that are not from God. They are also, it is also used, the Word of God is used whenever Satan tells us lies. We can use God's Word as a sword of truth 
and say, Satan is telling me this, this is what's right according to the world, but this is truth and this is what God's word says. And so I'm not going to base my life and my decisions off my feelings. I'm going to base them on the word of God. You remember when Jesus was in the desert, in the wilderness, and the devil was tempting him? You remember how he fought off Satan? He quoted scripture. He said, no, you're telling me a lie. This is what God has to say. Now, the world gives us a lot of counterfeit stuff. Now, now counterfeit stuff can look good. Right? It does. I mean, look good. Cubic zirconia. You know, I mean, I remember when I was getting ready to get married. Y'all, I didn't have, I didn't have a, I didn't have a dollar to my name, and I was like, I could buy a pretty impressive looking ring, and she'd never know. Now it looked good, but you know the problem with it looking good? There's no value behind it. And that's the stuff of this world. It look, it can look good, but there's not any value that's behind it. It's empty, and so I think that's where we are in our world today. We we live in a world that's really confused right now. You know, the stuff that that we used to call true, we now say it's false. And the stuff that we used to say was wrong and it's false, we, we now say that it's true. And so we're just living in this, this mixed up, messed up world of confusion. But as Christians, yeah, you know, we have the opportunity to demonstrate living in certainty when we build our lives on truth. The truth matters, but if the truth's going to matter, we have to, we have to be prepared for it have to be prepared to know how to apply it to our lives. Well, what do we do? We have to know that there's an enemy out there, y'all. We're in a war. Secondly, know, know that there's a source of power for us. It is God and it is word. And then finally, know what's available to you. God has given us the equipment necessary to be able to firmly stand in this life. Okay, so the practical part is, well, how do we do that? Well, I, I shared with you that you, one thing you can know about the church, whenever you come here, whenever you're uh, involved in uh, teaching areas, this is what's going to be taught. And one of the best ways we do that is we have our V group ministry. It's a small group ministry. If you go out to the C4 area, there's a big C4 on the wall under community. It talks about our, our V group ministry. And we have Bible studies that go through and look at God's Word and say, how does this apply to our lives? What does it mean? We support each other, care for each other. Our next semester begins in September. You've got plenty of time to check, check it out and see maybe where you fit in. But in the meantime, there's something real simple you can do. You need, to, you need to get into this book and just read what God's Word says. You might say, well, I don't understand everything in the book. There's some stuff that's confusing to me. Now, I'm going to share with you all a secret and don't tell anybody. I don't understand everything either. Okay, so don't tell. But there's a whole lot of stuff in here I do understand. The question is, what I do understand, am I going to apply it? Am I going to live it? And so you say, well, what, what should I do? Well, you have to read the book. And so something that's easy to do is, you know, especially with technology, and you can get your phone out or your computer and just Google Bible reading plan. And there's a million, a million of them out there. Look at which one just sort of fits you and your, maybe your schedule. And just look at it, Bible reading plan. And that way you can begin to methodically work through and read the Bible. And you're going to discover truth. And so it'll help you when, it, when it's time to look at what the world says and how you're going to live. You can say, I know because I've read and I look at what God said. See, my hope for you and for me 
is that we will live basing our lives not on feeling, but based off truth. And if you want to live a life that is unshakable, it begins here. Heavenly Father, I want to I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, that you are interested in truth because you are truth. And God, I know that your desire for us is to prosper us and not harm us. Lord, your desire for us is to find the freedom that Christ offers, to find forgiveness of sin, to find purpose in our living, and to find life eternal. God, may we not surrender those things for feeling, but may we hang on to truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.